0: to Sound Tradition, where we examine the practices, theology, and traditions of the contemporary church from a biblical perspective. My name is Jason Shirk. And I'm Luke Hitz. Today we'll be concluding our series on baptism by dealing with one of the probably most overlooked aspects of baptism. If you were to think of the topic and all the Bible verses (laughs) that you'd be going over, this probably wouldn't be the first one that would come to mind. Um, Some of the passages that we'll be looking at today would be confusing if we didn't understand that when you look at the word baptism, there are actually multiple types of baptism mentioned in the Bible. And just one passage that hints at this is Hebrews 6 verse 2, which speaks of baptisms, plural. And that kind of just hints again at that topic that there are multiple yeah. types of baptism. So
1: I went and looked up the verse, but I didn't bother looking up the Greek because I said I'll ask Jason.
0: Is it? uh yeah. <laughs>
1: it's just a plural word for bap, bap, right, baptizo. It is. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yep. Because I'm it's gonna, a it's
0: a noun though, not a not a verb. So. Baptismos.
1: It's baptismos.
0: But then you're plural. Your but it's plural definitely
1: version. plural, which is interesting.
0: Yep. And I, I think in Hebrews 6 specifically, it's referring to those Old Testament baptisms that we've already talked about, the cleansings, the purifications, and all that that went along with the law. Because um, that ties directly into the context of Hebrews 6, leaving behind the Judaical works things and basics of <clears throat> their religion and all this stuff, but pressing onward right. to faith in Christ. But, right. Yeah. So what, uh, to begin with our discussion, I'd like to do a survey of the Bible's teaching on the baptism of the Spirit. Now, when you hear that term, the baptism of the Spirit, what do you think of, Luke? Uh,
1: the first thing I think of with, with without thinking about this discussion, if you had asked me this before, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this topic, I would have thought of like... Pentecostals or something. Or, right. or the people who, like, they went to church to get baptized by the Spirit and start speaking in tongues or something like that.
0: Yeah, normally that's what I think a lot of people would, would think of when they hear the baptism of the yeah. Spirit. They think of speaking in the tongues or healing or some other yeah. ecstatic, um, experiential gift of the Holy Spirit that comes on yeah. you. <laughs> and there are a lot of different various beliefs on the baptism of the Spirit. Um, classic... Classic uh, theology would teach that a Christian receives the Holy Ghost at salvation. But there is also your charismatic teaching, which <clears throat> teaches that while we get part of the Holy Spirit at salvation, he can come on us anew over and over and over again. So this is kind of your uh, third wave theology and different isn't, groups like that. So. Isn't
1: there a group that teaches the uh, almost like a, a second
0: filling of the Holy Spirit. Right. You have that in uh, at the turn of the century, especially um, 1700s, 1800s. You had groups that were teaching that there was a second blessing. Second blessing. That, That's yes, the term. Yes, that you were to look forward to as a Christian. So it's kind of like in, in the story of Pentecost, We we would traditionally say the disciples became Christians before Pentecost. But they were to wait until they were empowered by the Holy Ghost. And he came on them and gave them a second blessing, basically. I gotcha. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> so that that's kind of where that idea comes from. And that is derivative, basically, of the, a misunderstanding of the fact that the book of Acts was a transitional period of time. And things that happened during the book of Acts didn't continue to happen in exactly the same way. Even by the end of the book of Acts, things were not happening right. in the same way <laughs> that they were in the beginning of the book of Acts. So. Yeah, so the baptism of the Spirit was first promised by John the Baptist in Mark 1 verse 8, which says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he, speaking of Jesus... Shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's that's our phrase right there. Baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and so it's being contrasted here with a physical water baptism.
1: And remember, this is the word "baptize." It's not a special word. You have to get this out of your head. This it's not a tr- it's not the church word we've made it today. It just means I immerse you with water, mm-hmm. which was it was a tradition for them to do. So, but you he. Meaning Jesus Christ shall Lord baptize with, you. Will immerse you with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It wasn't a special, oh, baptize religious example. word. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, we kind of hinted at this a little bit, but the King yeah. James translators kind of compromised in <laughs> their choice of using this word. It was probably already being used, to be honest. But the Greek word literally, in and of itself, means to dip or to immerse. You know, mm-hmm. and so to translate baptize baptize is not to choose not to take a theological position on how a person should be baptized, basically. So, but they, and to in order to have a broad readership of their translation, they chose a word that wouldn't offend any group. (laughs) It wouldn't
1: cause any problems. Yeah,
0: I mean, they themselves probably practiced sprinkling and stuff like that, so most of them were Anglicans. But
1: the people that would have been reading this account... But they saw that word. They weren't. They did not think of what we think of today as mm-hmm. a, necessarily a ritual. But what the word probably meant, which was immerse. Jesus will immerse you with the Holy Ghost. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think it, the ritualistic side of things may have come into play by the very fact that John was baptizing them right. at that time as a ritual, a sign of repentance. You know, and so there, there was a little bit of that tie there, but right. it still had this idea of being immersed with the Holy Ghost. So being the but Holy did, Ghost coming on you and filling you. So. I guess,
1: do you think yeah. people in you know the first century, did they, when they read this, I mean, I don't think they were thinking what we were thinking, obviously because we live now 2,000 years later. Right, we
0: formalized it and structuralized the, the idea. But, but when
1: they yeah. read Mark's account, they probably did not think of what we would, would jump to, at least what I would have jumped to as a young man reading mm-hmm. this. Like oh baptism that that special word baptism they probably right. have said hey this is
0: yeah immer they they yeah. got they understood
1: exactly yeah. what he meant
0: yeah yeah and then uh, after John the Baptist we also have Jesus promising the disciples before his ascension that they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost in Acts one verse five which says for John truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he was speaking of the day of Pentecost, basically. So, yeah. Do you think <clears throat> was was Jesus hearkening them back to what John
1: says? It seems like almost a
0: yeah. It's a, almost a quote. it's almost verbatim, you know. Yeah. So he's he, saying, "John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the with the Spirit." Basically, so because was
1: it Andrew yeah. and Peter that were following John the Baptist? It was Andrew that went. He heard John the Baptist say, "Behold, the Lamb of God," and he went and got Peter and then Philip and Nathaniel, So they would have, at least some of them were hearing John the Baptist and they probably made the connection.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. So when we come to the actual doctrine of the baptism of the spirit, one of the central passages that you want to look at is first Corinthians 12 verses 12 through 13, which says, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now there there are other interpretations for this verse. I will give you that. Even Baptists have uh, tried to say that this is water baptism, and that the one body is just a local church. Okay. Um, I do not think that the text itself supports that idea. <laughs> um, just the the very words that are used seem seem to hint at something else, basically. But notice in verse thirteen, it says, "For by one Spirit." Okay, so who who is the one performing the baptism in this verse?
1: Well, I would think it would be the Holy Ghost.
0: The Holy Ghost, okay. And that word for by can also be translated as in. So there's a little bit of debate as to whether the Holy Ghost is the one doing the baptism or it's we're being baptized into the Holy Ghost. To be honest, from a Trinitarian point of view, I don't think it really makes that much right. of a difference. <laughs> you know. So.
1: Well, you do have the phrase... You know, when we baptize, what do we say? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which comes from the Great Commission. Am I thinking right? Am I confused?
0: Baptize them in the name of the yeah. Yeah,
1: it comes from the Great Commission. Yep. So, uh, are they pulling that over into this and saying, you know, just like they sent the Great Commission, we Mm -hmm. are baptized in the Spirit.
0: Yeah, kind of. It's just the the Greek preposition for by and and, in are the exact same. So you just have to look at their usage. And how is is it being used in an instrumental sense or what we would call a locative sense or a location type right. of type of idea? I'm so, just saying
1: they might choose yeah. to say "in" instead of "by" mm-hmm. for that reason, saying, "Hey, this is all the same thing as yeah." It's how we baptize them in the name yep. of the Holy Spirit, not yep. the Holy Spirit doing it.
0: Yeah, one way or the other, that phrase alone right there is setting the foundation for this being something other than water baptism because it's either in the spirit that we're being baptized or it's by By the spirit Spirit that we're being baptized (laughs) you know so it's for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body i think there's a key word in this phrase that says we are all baptized into one body because you have you have this idea that believers get saved but then you, they also need to be baptized by the Holy Ghost later on, that second
1: that second, second blessing, blessing <laughs> theology
0: that Luke was talking about. And so there could be believers that haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit by being baptized by the Spirit. And this verse clearly states that every Christian has been baptized by the Spirit into that one body. So we, we all have this spirit baptism basically.
1: Well, that, the next part there, all baptized into one body. Right. I think that knowing what that means will affect the first part of the phrase. Right.
0: Yep. And again, like I said, some, some churches believe that that one body is the local church. You know, right. they they would say this teaching is just that Jews and Gentiles are joined together in a fellowship of believers by being baptized into One local church. And so to them, baptism is how you join a church as well, you know? So, and and we've known pastors who've, who've taken this position, but uh, again, I don't believe that it is water baptism. And I think it's important to notice it says into one body, which hearkens to a passage in Ephesians four, verse number five, which says, and this is a continuation of a thought, but it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay. So the one baptism in Ephesians four verse five is singular in the same way that Lord is singular and faith is singular, you know, so it's not I'm baptized into this church, and then I get baptized into this church, and then I get baptized into this church, you know. Right.
1: So <laughs> The only way it would be singular is if you had a, a universal church, and we're all baptized into the same church, one baptism. Right. But, I don't know, that... And that, that would be that, a discussion we can be, have at
0: another podcast as well. So. That doesn't seem
1: to be yep. going along with the Corinthians passage that says we're... I don't know. We're kind of. We're kind of. I'm kind of thinking about two different right. theologies at the same time in my head, mm-hmm. depending on which one you're trying to argue. Yeah. But if the the Corinthians passage is we're, we're all baptized by the Spirit into the universal church, mm-hmm. which is what I think you and I is position we take. Right. But if you're going to take the other side and say no, this is t- Corinthians is talking about one baptism into the local by water into mm-hmm. the local church then what would they say about Ephesians 4 5? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I guess they'd say it's also yeah. water baptism. And I,
0: I think it has a dual application as far as your local universal church idea that you're kind of hinting at in, in this sense. I can have fellowship with the believers I am called to be part of a physical body of Christ, a physical church with because of the fact that we are both part of that universal church. Right. So it's kind of this universal church idea. We're all unified. We're baptized by the Holy Spirit into that universal church. So therefore, I should be able to get along with a Jew or a Gentile in my local assembly as well. Right? You know, because the practical output put of 1 Corinthians 12 is, is we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, we are to weep with those who weep. Mm. And I think sometimes we limit we can try to limit it to a local church only application, but honestly shouldn't shouldn't a Christian feel something for the suffering of other Christians around the world that they don't necessarily go to church with? I would hope so. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> and and I think we ultimately we still have an obligation to edify other believers in Christ. You yeah. know, the these are the things that first Corinthians twelve teaches us to do right right so it's uh
1: i guess uh, just to make one more comment and set it aside because we don't have time to talk about the <laughs> the whole topic of one uh one church universal and the local church suffice it to say jason and i are on the side of we believe there is a local church but there's also a universal church of all christians who are all the body of christ but whichever side you take affects your interpretation of this passage. I right,
0: think. it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that would, I, like I said, I, I believe, though, that just the very fact that it says for by one spirit is limiting this to a spirit baptism. Yeah, I mean, the,
1: so, the rest of the passage yeah. in, in Corinthians 12 here, mm-hmm. uh, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, And what does it say? And have been all made to drink into one spirit. Right. I mean, unless you're going to say that is separate from the baptism. We're all baptized in the local body by water. (laughs) But then we're all made to drink into one spirit. Into the universal
0: spirit. Yes. (laughs) That we all share. I mean, there's definitely
1: (laughs) the (laughs) universal aspect of the spirit.
0: Yep. And you you step into a slippery slope of... Teaching that you have to be a member of a church to be baptized with the Spirit, basically in essence, or to yeah. drink of that one Spirit. If if that is your interpretation of the first part of the verse, yeah. water baptism is is the means by which you get the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: I don't remember how we said this last podcast but I think I remember saying the same thing about the Ethiopian eunuch mm. what church was he baptized into right I mean he got saved baptized right away he mm-hmm. wasn't part of a church I mean he went off hopefully to start a church in Ethiopia yeah but you know he was I mean you could say okay it was transition time there was no church yet but once there was a church he should he should have been baptized into membership yeah. I don't know I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah, I got some thoughts that I want to bring up at later, but uh, I'm not going to bring them up on the podcast tonight. But uh, yeah, so, so this will
1: so be one for later. Yes, we'll, yep. we'll, we'll get into this another time.
0: Yeah. So again, going back to that Ephesians four verse five idea, the one faith, one Lord, one baptism. That we have this one baptism that we all share because we are all baptized by the Spirit and that is a common experience that every Christian has all all of us have been baptized mm-hmm. into that one spirit
1: I, I just feel like the two verses go together yeah you know we're mm-hmm. we're baptized into one by the spirit mm-hmm. spiritual baptism into one body and we're made to drink <clears throat> into one spirit I think that's yes, all the same all thing together. it's not it's not two different things
0: right yeah. And Romans 6 also mentions the idea of being baptized into Christ. It doesn't use that exact phrase of spirit baptism or baptized by the Spirit, but it still has this idea of being baptized into Christ, which seems to be a reference to the same type of baptism that we're talking about in these other passages. And the result of this baptism is that we experience Christ's death and resurrection. The argument Paul's making in Romans 6 is that by the spirit baptism, we have died to sin and we've bade, been made alive again to Christ and to holiness, basically. So, I know
1: in uh, <clears throat> our pastor here, Pastor Carsey's, does a baptism. He says, You know, the first phrase, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then, what does he say? He, he takes them down, mm-hmm. buried in the likeness of his death, raised, raised to walk in newness in the of life. life. So, he, yeah. he's doing the picture. He's you know, presenting that picture as he does it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My first time baptizing, I kind of jumbled through all that stuff. Yeah. I I I remember you you
1: (laughs) baptized your daughter and I was like, I was like, oh, Jason, it'll be fine. And then he's like, oh, man,
0: he butchered that. (laughs) Well, not butchered, but messed it up a little bit. You got to practice sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so now some (laughs) of the passages that have been brought up trying to prove that baptism is necessary for salvation are also passages that seem to refer to this spirit baptism. One of those passages is Titus 3, 4 through 8, which refers to the washing of regeneration, which some have taken to mean baptism because it talks about washing. It would make more sense to understand this phrase to be the washing that being saved does to us than it would the washing that baptism does. Because it says here the washing of what? Regeneration. Regeneration. Okay. So this is the salvation experience. It washes us. It makes us clean. And again, that occurs how? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So
1: Right. We get saved. The Holy Ghost comes in. The blood of Christ cleanses us, washes us. Mm-hmm that is the washing yep. and not not the water
0: and it, to reinforce that the very next phrase talks about the renewing of the holy ghost as well you know so this this experience is spiritual it is not a physical water baptism that we are experiencing so so the wa- and in the context of Titus 3 that washing the washing of regeneration is meant to produce what it's meant to produce good works, as verse number seven talks about. Right. And so we've talked about in previous podcasts how we're not saved by good works, okay, but we are saved unto good works, as Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 talks about. Pastor just preached on this, actually, this past Sunday. If you want to check out his podcast at Harvest Hills Baptist Church... Does he know he has a podcast? He knows. I told him. So. <laughs> I'm the one who publishes it for him. So okay. well, it's just it's his messages. Yeah, it's his messages. Yeah. I
1: don't know if I don't know if he would say that to anybody. Listen to my <laughs> listen, <laughs> to, listen to, my to my podcast.
0: Yep. <laughs> but he he preached on this idea that yes, works don't save us, but salvation pr- should produce good works in our lives. You know, and that's the same teaching that is taught in Titus three four through eight. We are washed by the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost in order that we can walk a lifestyle that God wants us to walk in good works. So. Then the next passage that we're going to look at is Galatians 3, verse 27, which says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, this is another one of those ones that doesn't say spirit baptism or baptiz- baptized by the Spirit, but it's talking about being baptized into Christ and it's the spiritual process of having put on Christ as well. So if it was water baptism, how is it that you are putting on Christ in that in that water baptism?
1: It wouldn't be by the baptism other yeah. than just if you yeah. believe that it was part of salvation. Right. But
0: but it'd be, it be it's a spiritual thing that is going yeah. on here, I think.
1: There's there's nothing in this passage to indicate one way or the other whether right. baptism saved you or not. I right. think you're pre preconditioned or, Yes,
0: but But you have to be preconditioned by the context, which is the rest of the book of Galatians, which brings us into Galatians 1 verse 7, where Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ onto another gospel. And the gospel specifically that they were enticed by, it was a gospel that added works to their faith. Chapter 3, Paul asks, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And we, we've, we've talked about this passage as well that says that the man who is justified by the law, he has fallen short of the grace of God. He's um, fallen away from the grace of God, basically, and I'm totally paraphrasing here. <laughs> so, but this idea that justification does not occur by keeping the legal requirements of the law but is accomplished by faith in Jesus Christ and again so it's this idea that our our salvation isn't a by a water baptism again right. and it's talking about here being baptized into Christ to put on Christ this baptism makes more sense to refer to that spiritual baptism where we are baptized right. into the body of Christ so what, so what
1: we're really saying is that the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is really equivalent to salvation you're you're mm. saved the holy ghost comes into you it's not a second blessing right you know it's it's just you get saved and you receive the holy ghost that's that's what he, Paul said yeah i he, would
0: at least say it is a immediate benefit of salvation right. i wouldn't say necessarily it is the same thing right it's salvation. not it's yeah. not
1: salvation yes. <laughs> but it's yeah. a, it just happens at the same time it's right. yeah. not some
0: it's kind of like the idea of I become adopted in Christ at mm-hmm. salvation. I, well, there's a lot of things. even inheritance at salvation. <laughs> there's a
1: lot of things that happen at salvation. Yes, but. a lot.
0: I think Dr. Childs at Ambassador Baptist College, he had a list of like some 37 things. that We
1: had to memorize it, did Yeah, we I did. Don't, I don't
0: remember a <laughs> single one of them anymore, no, so well, three. I could loosely come up with some. Yeah, we, we just so. pulled
1: some out of our hat.
0: Yep. Yeah, but uh, so basically I just wanted to close with this idea that there are other types of baptism mentioned in the scripture, and it's important to understand that some of the passages referring to baptism are referring to that spirit baptism. They're not referring mm-hmm. to a literal water baptism that we experience when the pastor dumps right. us under the water and brings us back up again.
1: So to just to tie this back around to our purpose of our podcast, Sound Tradition, You know, we want to go back to the tradition that was passed down all the way from Christ and the apostles, not just the church you grew up in, Mm -hmm. the way you, you you went to church your whole life. And this is the way you always did baptism. And this is kind of what I think it means. You got to go back a little further in that, you know, to, to get you know the traditions can be skewed over time. Go if you haven't listened to our first podcast, listen to that. We we talk about all that.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about traditions dealing with baptism, we could go into all kinds of things like who can baptize or yeah. where we should be baptized. I was you know, going to ask those, those are <laughs> we got we got a few minutes here. We could talk a little bit about that.
1: I had one one question because yep. uh, you you, brought, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, you d- baptized your daughter, mm-hmm. but. You're an ordained... I'm an ordained minister, minister. yes, yeah, so I
0: have, have a little bit of a difference <laughs> there, yeah, so... <laughs> now, I went to
1: Bible college. I did not take a degree as to, for a pastor. Second man music is what my degree was, which means, depending on what part of the country you're from, you don't call it second man, you call it assistant pastor or assistant to the pastor. Same thing, just uh, I, Bible was my major. Everybody's major was Bible. mm mm-hmm. You took some different classes, depending on your minor, because your, your minor yeah. was basically your major. Mm-hmm. Kind of different, but that's how Ambassador did it. Yeah. So my major was Bible, but my minor was music, which was to be applied to being a pastor's assistant, helping with music in the church. But uh, I've never been ordained. So the question would be, could I baptize my children?
0: Yeah, and and yeah, that is something I've thought about, and I don't think a lot of pastors would probably like my, my answer to it. <laughs> but I personally believe that if the Great Commission is required of every believer— then so is the responsibility to baptize. You know, because mm-hmm. they are tied together. You're told to go in Matthew 28 19 and 20, quote it for us. so <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, uh, baptize them of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I skipped the verse, didn't I? Yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> okay, but you have this idea preaching the gospel in every nation is tied directly with. Baptizing, and we would say that right. that great commission was incumbent upon every believer to practice. You know, so we,
1: we saw, and we saw that when we went back to Philip, and he preaches the Ethiopian eunuch, he gets saved, baptizes mm-hmm.
0: him. Yeah, was was Philip uh, ordained? He was a, a deacon. He was ordained as a deacon, and he did preach. But um, but, it, but that's not the same. We don't, we don't. He's not a pastor. We don't put yeah, the deacons
1: so. in the same class right. today as pastors. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. and and here's here's the thing as well. I was listening to podcasts, doing some research on NT right? and he was trying to make an argument that maybe Paul and the apostles didn't know all of the facts. Like they were they could have been wrong about some of the things right. they didn't said, you know. And one of the questions he asks is, Well, why didn't Philip go back to the church of Jerusalem to ask if it was alright for him to baptize this person? <laughs> you know. So
1: Well, see I I think he's asking the right question mm-hmm. only because I Maybe would, for the
0: wrong motive, but yeah. For the wrong motive. But I think
1: the point is, you know, I don't I don't think Philip was really ordained as the way they thought of
0: ordained Well, they did lay hands on him, if he Look the at the if you look at the deacon, I'm pretty sure that the de- the deacons had hands laid on them. They were appointed, you know. So it's right, but they appoint, but they weren't appointed for the same purpose. As Not as for preaching and all that. No, so, because like you know, Timothy was commanded
1: to appoint mm-hmm. more preachers, pass on what he had learned.
0: I think probably the issue in this in this discussion of Philip and everything is that we have a wrong understanding of what deacons are. Yes, that's true. So, you know, because you look at another well-known deacon was Stephen. Right. And what was he doing when they stoned him? He was preaching. (laughs) He was preaching, you know. And the Holy
1: Spirit moved on him and Mm -hmm. gave him, he had a vision of heaven right before the end. Right, yeah. So, I don't think it's because deacons, all deacons are supposed to have the the Holy Ghost in a special way necessarily today, just that... I think everybody then that was getting saved was just excited about, mm-hmm. you know, preaching the gospel, and they had boldness, and mm-hmm. they'd seen the Holy Spirit come down on Peter and all the other apostles, and on the day of Pentecost, and everybody wanted to do it. And I, I don't know if it's because he wasn't preaching because he was a deacon. I think they chose him as a deacon because he was already bad. He was, he was he, preaching. He <laughs> was already being used by God. Yeah. And I think that's that's why they chose these seven men because yeah. they were already godly men
0: yeah. one thing that i loved about my church in japan my family we got saved in misawa japan and uh one thing that i loved about the church was the pastor fostered an environment where the men of the church could preach you know they would they would get up periodically and they would preach mm-hmm. and then we had a period of time where um pastor Harrell, our pa- our pastor at the time he retired and went back to the States and we didn't have a pastor for almost a year. And so the deacons just rotated through preaching every single Sunday, mm-hmm. you know? So they obviously, <laughs> they were men who had the ability to preach and could, could do right. that job, you know? And that's,
1: and, a, and I, I think that's commendable and something that should
0: continue to be done. And Maybe um, something we should look at trying to grow in, in our churches and, and going forward in the future, you know, so. So but.
1: I think what I'm getting from you is maybe deacons at least ought to be able to baptize.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably also getting from me that the average Christian should too. Yes. So
1: I would, I think no. the
0: church should be involved generally, um, as a testimony to the baptism. I don't think there is necessarily a biblical no. mandate for, for that, but, the church should be involved, but I do think that anybody should be able to have the authority to baptize. Yeah. So. I
1: mean, certainly some of it has come down to just practicality. I mean, mm-hmm. back then, you didn't have cars. People, you wherever you were, you weren't getting back to, you know, we, we can get hop in a car and drive, you know, 20 miles to church if we so choose further, mm-hmm. if we want to. And we, you know, we have a special day, we get together. This person wants to get baptized in front of all the congregation. Yeah. And that's fine. But back then, if you were out in the middle of nowhere, you're like, mm-hmm. we're going to wait till we get back to, to town to get baptized? You just Right. Well, just,
0: it also goes back to at, when they baptized. Most, most right. of the time it was immediately. If they were
1: going to do it immediately, you mm-hmm. just did where you could. Yes. Yep. And uh, so, you know, nowadays we're, I don't know, I think we just, we've, we've grown up with it being a certain way and it's easy to hop in a car and go do something, so why not do it that way?
0: And yeah. I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but, but yeah, and, and then like we said, did it out of
1: necessity because right. they have
0: to. And like we said, tradition isn't necessarily wrong. Like our very first podcast, we talked about how tradition can be can be a good thing, you know. Um, and we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, throw out everything just because oh that's the tra- right. that's just tradition, you know. But we shouldn't also be bound or tied down by tradition right. if that is all that it is
1: the the problem comes in when you're not willing to think outside the box
0: mm.
1: you know it's like we've done this this way forever therefore it's the only way we can do it mm-hmm. and you're you know new things come along whether it's uh new technologies you know what what if well just throw this out there just something i, th- I think about from time to time Flying cars, you say? Okay, that's never gonna happen. Say, so why are you bringing that up? If it did, you know, there's uh, Tokyo, twenty twenty. Japan wants to have a flying car be part of the torch, and they they're tr- they're working on a a flying car system. Not that you would buy one, but you get a ride like a taxi service in okay. in, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, why are you bringing that up? If if we had flying cars down the road, it would change your ability to get places. And it would probably change. You could go to church down in Texas if you wanted to. You could go to church. You you, you could have fewer churches where everybody, okay, we've got Baptist churches. A Baptist church here is a whole bunch in Kansas. What if we all wanted to get together for a service once a month? We could do it. Now, I, now, that's obviously way in the future. <laughs> well, say so why, so why bring that up? Because things would change, mm-hmm. and when they change, say, well, we can't do that. This is this is the way we do this. We always mm-hmm. have certain, and our pastor always baptizes. Well, what if he wanted to go there, and the family was there, and the the father of the kind of the patriarch of the family that lived in Kansas wanted to baptize? Well, no, no, the pastor has to do it. Why does the pastor do it now? Probably because that was you know. We're all going to church. He's the head of the church. Why mm-hmm. not just have him do it? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you're you're too narrow minded to consider a change when you have no other reason than this is the way we've always done it, mm-hmm. I know I gave a far fetched example, right? For it, yeah. But you know, new new things come along and we've yep. got to consider things.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, next week uh, we'll be dealing with a different topic. I'm considering continuing our topic of the Sabbath and just doing a. A discussion of why we worship on Sundays and then further develop this idea of if Jesus Christ is our Sabbath, how does that impact our lives and mm. we'll make a series out of that as well.
1: Yeah, that would be good. We kind of sidetracked onto this because somebody <laughs> actually made a comment on our yes, was yeah. Facebook page. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so we said, OK, we'll talk about this.
0: Yep. So if you uh, like what you hear, we ask that you'd subscribe to our podcast and give us a good five star rating. And Andy. if you don't
1: like what you hear, don't make any comments, please. No. Just keep it keep to it
0: yourself. No. Yeah. Okay, and as always, uh, grace and peace be with you. Thank you.